So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 50 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. How are you all doing? I hope you're doing so well. My name is Ben Hartley with Style and Story Creative. That's the Columbus Wedding Photography Studio that we rock here in Ohio. Pretty plain and simple, you guys. The reason that the SFP podcast exists is in order to help you grow your business. I find great value in my life giving back value to everybody else. So if I can help any one of you grow, then amen. Uh, that's, that's exactly why I do what I do. If you are a fan of the podcast, if you listen to today's episode and you find value out of it, you guys, I would appreciate it so, so much if you would leave a review. It helps attract bigger guests, which in terms mean I get to help bring those guests to you. Also, I love reading them. I I read every single review uh, that gets put out there. And so uh, today I wanted to highlight uh, a super cool review that I just got in. It came from Photo Boy, uh, David Steven. He says this, I really enjoyed listening to Ben. He has a natural ability to inspire and motivate artists. He's also uh, He also has fantastic questions for his guests. The production value is above and beyond. Thank you for sharing your insight. Uh, photo boy, David Steven, thank you uh, for leaving that review. I really do appreciate it. You guys, if you want to leave, leave a review, all the instructions are over at sixfigurephotography.com backslash review. Look, if you're on your iPhone, you can just do it directly in the podcast app. Thank you guys again so much for, uh, for supporting, for giving back to me in this small way. It really does mean the world to me. All right, let's jump in on today's episode. We have Scott Johnson. I'm so excited about this. He runs the UK industry. Before he was a full-time wedding photographer, he worked professionally at a print lab. Uh, he actually, look, this is something we're going to talk about. Um, he went from being the photographer on a cruise ship uh, to, again, being one of the top wedding photographers in the UK. We're going to talk about some of the biggest changes he made to accelerate that growth. He's a global ambassador for Fundy uh, Software, SWPP fellow photography master with the Photographer's Academy. Look, I could keep going. Do I mean, do I, do you guys want me to keep going? Like he's, he's a great guy, super fun to talk to. And so we're going to jump in and talk to Scott. Scott Johnson. I like saying your name, man. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) 
Am I unique in that? Like, uh, do other people come up to you and say your full name uh, all the time? N- they don't, to be fair. They just call, they, they normally just call me uh, Scotty from the Edge or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, I, I never really get... I kind of think I have a bit of a sportsman's name. I, maybe I should have played pro basketball or football or something with a name like I've got a photography. totally agree. I totally <laughs> agree. And but, but to be fair, also, Scotty from the Edge sounds like a band name. Uh, that it sounds like a really, I don't know. So I want to listen to it. I want to listen to that album, Scotty from the edge. Um, and so let's talk about that. Very, very fortunate. I'm much better at taking photographs than I am at singing karaoke. So let's stick with the photography. (laughs) We will. We will. So from the edge, uh, your business is, is called, uh, from the edge photography. Is that correct? Yeah. It's the edge photography here in the UK. So uh, I've been running since 2006. Very good. So, man, this is one of the first uh, international overseas podcast interviews I- I've done. So you're all the way over in the UK, huh? That's correct. Yeah, I'm just outside of London. So I can be in the center of London in about you know 40 minutes on the train. So it's not too far. So I'm very lucky of the location of where I'm, where I'm working. We have a lot of very affluent people here and um, some stunning wedding venues. So it works out really well for me. Yeah, fantastic. Let's talk about that. So 2006 is when you got started as a photographer. What is the industry that you consider yourself like? What's the niche? What's the focus where you pour your time, attention and business model into? Uh, It's pretty much 100% wedding photography. Um, I started actually I started back in 2003 working on uh, on American cruise ships. So that's where I really cut my teeth in photography. Uh, And so you're, you were the guy who like stood on the plank as guests came in with the rum in hand and we were like, can I take your picture? Like that guy or something else? Oh, no, I was definitely that guy. It was generally re- uh, real rum as well. It was, um, it, it was uh, yeah, anything to try and uh, give the impression that we knew what we were doing. So it was, it was good fun. <laughs> and and the, I remember one time we were in doing a gangway shoot in Acapulco and we were actually drinking real tequila on deck and, and uh, the, the guests were coming off thinking it was for effect, but no, we were drinking real tequila. So it was good fun. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I think some of those instances, you know, like I bet that there is the, a photographer who's listening right now that works at Cedar Point or some other amusement park at, or the zoo. Uh, and you're you're the photographer who stands there in the middle of the causeway. And as the as the guests come in with their kids, you're like, hey, wait, stop. Can I take your picture? Right. And and I think that that type of job often gets belittled or, or maybe thought less of as a photographer. You know, you're kind of doing this mass photography, these kind of things. Like what you look, I'm not trying to to put your initial roots down here, but I want to actually turn this around a little bit. As a photographer on a cruise ship who's doing this very like, hey, stand in front of this wall, let me take your picture so I can try to sell it to you at the end of this whole thing. What were some of the big lessons that or, or maybe one of the big things that you learned during that that time, uh, still as a photographer, but as a, I don't know, what do we call that? That kind of niche, a, a mass kind of um, yeah, it, it's, photographer. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, to be fair, I'm still using, I'm still practicing what I learned on the cruise ship today. I mean, back in the day, we were shooting on film. Uh, it was fully manual. We were on Nikon FM2s uh, with a manual flash gun, and I still, to this day, use some of the lessons that I learned. Um, from that and I still shoot as if I'm shooting on film even though it's digital and it can be you know you can bang out a thousand prints at a wedding let's note or take a thousand images I'm still getting it right in camera cutting the crop I'm still getting exposure exactly where I want it to be because the less time you spend up in the up in the editing suite then the more fun you're going to have so 
Um, and vocabulary as well. I mean, we were always told never to use a double negative. So no problem, no worries. You had, couldn't have to say that. So, you know, you, you, you're straight away where the way that we're speaking to our clients now is a very professional manner. And that's something that was drilled into me on ships all that all them years ago. So let's let's pump the brakes here for a second. I want to review those those couple things that you talked about because I think there's some exciting things there. Um, I think I'm most excited about the vocabulary part. We'll get to that in a second. But just to be clear, so you learn the technical basics of photography, the, your exposure triangle, so to speak, uh, ISO, shutter speed, uh, aperture, uh, and off camera flash. Uh, well, studio flash for sure. Yeah, we we we, we had a. Well, I don't know if you, you can probably still buy them now. We had a Sunpack flash system, which is like a Met but a lot cheaper. Um, and there, it was literally all in all in uh, in power stop. So you knew that if you're going to do a dining room, you'd be on manual. You'd be at sixty f five point six with a sixteenth power flash, and you knew exactly where six feet were. So when you were taking the exposure, you knew exactly that the flash was going to be absolutely spot on. Obviously, there were times where you'd bump it up to get a group shot in and you'd, you'd knock it down again and you'd forget and blast a flash and you'd blind people for 10 seconds because you've run full power flash. But eventually, you, you kind of it was a second nature. It just became second nature. And even now, I'd be going around and shooting tables at a wedding and I'd be on 65.6 at 16 power flash. And that's 15, 16 years ago. I love it, man. That's awesome. I love that your attitude was one of uh, you're going to learn, you're going to take from this uh, and keep moving forward and apply it to other things. I think it's a, it's one of those jobs that like maybe can feel a little, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, got, I used to get a lot of, a lot of um, oh, you're just working on cruise ships. All you're going to be doing is, you know, is, is badgering people. Yeah. And you know what we did? And we made some money. But, you know, it gave me the really good grounding to the, to the photographer that I am today. And it all, the genesis was working for Celebrity Cruises. And, that, and that's how it all started for me. And I, I, and I still, now to this day, have friends all over the world. Some are photographers, some are not. Um, and my ex-manager from the cruise ships actually photographed my wedding. It was our, it was our four-year anniversary yesterday. Um, and my ex-manager came over and shot my wedding for me. So, um, yeah, we still keep in touch. That's awesome, Scott. That's awesome. So let's talk about the vocabulary. You were saying that on the cruise ship, you learned to never talk in double negatives. That's correct. Explain that um, slower or differently. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> you went through it pretty fast. You're like, never do this. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, I joined the ship in 2003, um, and then we had a dry dock of six weeks, and it was kind of a rebrand for the ship that I was I was working on. So had a fresh lick of paint, and they were trying to buck, you know, give this six-star service. And we had a script that we, that we had to kind of learn, or not a script, but certain phrases that we should and we shouldn't say. So we... We couldn't say no problem, no worries. Um, we couldn't answer a question with no. We had no, it, no. Um, it was all things just to give a positive experience. So if we were asked, oh, can we have a photograph of, of me and my family? You couldn't say, yeah, sure, no worries. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get that done. Um, it would be a case of certainly, madam, it'd be my pleasure to take that for you. So it's just, and just really ch- trying to change the vocabulary um, of the way we worked and just trying to, as I said, just trying to give a more positive experience to, to, the, to the guest. We couldn't say passenger. We couldn't say, um, um, we couldn't say cabin. It was always guest and stateroom because they wanted to feel it was a hotel rather than a cruise ship. So it was just a way of just trying to engineering um, our mindset to think differently. And again, I'm still using those phrases now. I, I never hardly ever say no worries or no problem. It's always certainly my pleasure. Absolutely. How can I help? 
Yeah. And what do you call your clients? Uh, I, I actually call them couples. Um, I don't call them clients because clients still refers as a, it's a business transaction, whereas right. I, I think it's more than that. They are couples. They're a couple that are in love. They're getting married. Um, and for the 18 months or sometimes two years of the time that they spend since the initial booking, initial email, they're never clients. They're always a couple to me. So I, I, it, I, it's not a business. Yes, I'm running a business, um, but then they are clients because they're paying money, um, but they're always couples. I say, oh, I'm seeing a couple. I'm seeing a couple tonight, or I'm seeing, I'm off to you know, photograph a couple's engagement shoot. They're never, never clients in my eyes. I love it. I was reading a book, uh, and now I, I, I can't recall which book it was, um, but they were actually talking about how um, they never refer to. Actually, maybe it was Jay Abraham. He's an incredible marketer, um, but he was talking about how he never refers to his. Uh, um, well, there's so many different terms we could use right now. Yeah, right. But essentially, to his, he never refers to his customers as customers. He refers to them as clients for the exact same reason that you don't refer to them as clients. You refer to them as couples. It's like you've taken it one step further. He was talking about that customers uh, um, denotes back to a monetary exchange where clients um, uh, removes itself from that uh, and is more of like a service. You serve a client. Um, but I like the direction that you've pushed it, Scott, to actually say, no, like at their core, they're, they're people, they're a couple who's in love and I happen to be serving them. Um, I think it's, yeah, I like that. I like that. I like the, the next step. Um, so then in 2000, you said six, you went full time yeah. with photography. I did. So I came off, I came off the ships. Um, I, I applied my trade in retail, which I think everyone has to do, uh, in some way, shape or form in their life. It kind of gives you real value of, of uh, customer service and, and experience from there. And then it was um, in 2006, I kind of thought, you know what? I really enjoy photography. I'm going to start doing this. And I was already shooting for somebody else doing, you know, second shooting. And I did a couple of little weddings by myself. So I cut, I cut my teeth in weddings for about 18 months. And then it was about two, it was in 2006. I had this epiphany. Um, honest truth. I was in a pub in uh, in my in my hometown and I was getting sick and tired of working for somebody else and I, I thought you know what I'm going to do it for myself so I went home and I registered the company um, a little bit drunk <laughs> <laughs> you know what though sometimes it's it takes just that little bit of extra lack of inhibition yeah to to really um uh, like make things happen. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Just, I was just sitting there because the guy I was working for, he was only selling weddings with albums of my prints. He was he was only showing my work, and I thought, well, I've got to be good because people are, are booking him on my on my work. So why not? Hell, I'll give it a shot. And and here we are. It's 2017, and we're going strong still. So it was the best decision I ever made. What were some of the biggest growing pains stepping out on your own? Oh man, it was it was really tough. I mean, I as I said, I'd been shooting for about eighteen months, and I I kind of got the gist of a wedding. I got the flow. I knew the format, um, but stepping out for the first time under my name or or as the Edge Photography, I was so nervous because the buck stopped here, and that's still something that I you know still stand by today. If anything goes wrong, I can't palm it off on anybody. I am this it's my gig and you know it's so nerve-wracking still and getting the initial breaking away from oh you you used to work for so-and-so yeah i did that was two years ago i'm working for myself now that was the biggest um the biggest thing was getting known in my own under my own name rather than under somebody else's name 
So let's talk about that for a second, because you just said getting known under your own name. Let's, uh, so you're the edge photography. That's correct. Yeah. So why did you choose to go the route of the edge photography instead of, uh, Scott Scott Johnson, my initial plan was, um, was to have three or four photographers working for me. So that was always my plan to have, you know, five, three or four guys plus myself going out every week and photographing, you know, do be a big studio of being 300 weddings a year. Um, because the guy I used to work for had his own name as a studio and he had, um, there was myself and somebody else that works on, on behalf of him. But he said that because it's your name above the door, people always want you to do it, which kind of makes sense. So I kind of thought, well, have this umbrella as, as the edge photography and have three or four guys go out. I tried it, I, the, trying to control quality um, and set a standard of photography that I wanted was very, very difficult. So I just ramped it back. It's just myself. And I'm now known as Scott from the Edge at all my venues and people know me as Scott from the Edge. So I've kind of kept it. The brand works. And I've thought about changing it to Scott Johnson Photography, but I've been going, you know, nearly 12 years, man. And I don't want to start again. And it's just. Yeah, you're that. deep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh yeah, mate. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. I almost cursed it. I didn't want to curse, but <laughs> I, <I'm kind> of, <laughs> so, that's all good, man. Sometimes yeah, um, I let it slip too. <laughs> so, um, you should. So I do these this, on that topic. This is super random. I, I do a lot of live videos, and like you should see some of my early ones, man. Like people on there would hop on. They'd be like, Ben, you need to stop swearing. So, <laughs> at one point, Scott, Scott. At one point, my parents got on, and they're like. You know how to stop swearing, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to say, but yeah, I, I was deep. I, I was really deep, in, and it was just. I thought I've spent all this time and money branding and making uh, the couples aware of the edge photography. I don't want to have to start and do that again. People know me for what I am, and I could set up another company, and it's still me photographing. But it, I just, I just, I think it's quite cool. Scott at the edge. I like that a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to generate revenue within uh, a business. Um, I mean, even as I say that, I guess what I mean uh, is that, you know, when you first start out, you you know, for most photographers, they begin and they are uh, photographing and they're that is a session fee, right? It's, you know, you get the digitals, you shoot that. Um, and then there's this, you start focusing up on maybe you come up with new packaging, uh, kind of strategies and structure and you, you repackage stuff and you reprice stuff and then suddenly you start making more. Um, or maybe, uh, you start getting, uh, you focus on all your marketing and you start getting more clients at the door. And so then that starts making you more. Then there's all these different kind of levels. You just keep pushing yourself and evolving and growing. And I imagine over the period of time, you've done a lot of things, all these little tiny steps yeah, that have kind of uh, gradually moved your income up, moved in your, move your revenue up. I'm kind of curious here. Um, it, do you do, does any one of those things that you've done over the course of your career really stick out in your mind as like, man, I can't believe that I, I operated, uh, before doing this or man, if I would have done this Three years earlier, you know, if I would have changed this package structure three years earlier, you know, I would have made X bucks, made X dollars more. Um, Could you kind of maybe highlight one of those things, a change that you made uh, that helped to bring in more revenue for your business? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the first, the first two, maybe even three years, I would take anything that came in i was shooting four or five weddings a week just to try and get my name out there and i was 
no, I was pushing out some okay stuff. I look back at the early work, I'm thinking, man alive, why did anyone want to book that? That was awful. Um, and for me, I started I uh, started attending seminars and training and investing a lot of the money I was getting in on myself. And because I wanted to be the better, I wanted to be better. I was, you know, again, I was start, uh, complacent, it's probably not the word to use, but I was just starting to think, yeah, I'm doing all right, I was coasting along. Um, so I started investing in me and started training and started to qualify with bodies here in the UK. Um, and that for me was, was kind of the, the transition from being this average photographer that was doing nice work to the, the work I'm pushing out now, which I think is, you know, bragging is probably one of the best in the country, but that's, um, that's, that's not for me to say, it's for people to have a look and see what they think. <laughs> sure. So, but that, that kind of, um, acceleration began by investing back in yourself. And even as you say that, are you talking about, you know, conferences or workshops or yeah. courses? Uh, what kind of direction? Uh, it was it was all three. Um, we have a, a convention here in London at the SWPP convention, which is held in January, um, and. I'd heard about it, and it's actually one of the one of the guys I used to work on cruise ships with. He won a big award, and I thought, "What's this SWPP all about? I want to win some big awards." So I started attending, uh, and it was there I I, I met some industry leaders uh, from all over the world that came and spoke and gave workshops and educational classes, and I kind of had my eyes open, like the blinkers were just lifted off my eyes and thinking, holy crap, there is some really awesome photographers out there in the UK and even and in the world. And I looked at my work and I thought, well, that's nowhere near as good as that. And it was that push that really want to maybe try and improve and get better. And I started entering competitions. And as I said, I started to qualify. Um, and from there, that was the biggest and best thing that ever happened to me was go to that first JSWPP in 2010. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think it's... Um you know, there's a little bit of the the hustle mentality that's currently out there of just like, um, you know, put in the work, try, fail, you know, do it again. And mm. and while there's a grit factor to that and some truth to that, I would much rather um, learn from other people's failures than my own. I think Warren Buffett says that, like, uh, you know. Um, learning from failure is, is the best way to learn. It just doesn't oh, have to be your own failure. You yeah. can go learn from somebody else's failure well, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and skip ahead so much further. I mean, uh, uh, one of uh, the guy I used to work for said to me that man that never made a mistake never made anything. And and that to me, you know, you, th- there will be bumps along the road and there'll be setbacks, but you got, you know, you know, get your head down. And as George McFly once said, if you can put your mind to it, you'll accomplish anything. And if you get your mind stuck into something and you want to be the best, you'll be the best. Is how driven are you and how much do you really, really want it? I've, I've had photographers that I'm mentoring here in the UK say to me, oh, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. He said, you think you're going to be okay or you know you're going to be be okay there's a difference again in the language if you put this positive attitude to everything you're going to be okay and you know if you apply it to photography and you want to be the best you'll be the best it's just you know how quickly you want to elevate and whether you want to be a shooting star that shines very brightly for a short space of time or you want to be a slow burning comet that hangs around in the sky for many many years and that's that's the kind of person i want to be i've been slowly building up to this transition now that i'm very fortunate to be speaking to people like you and and um and i I speak on my own right now so that's something i've been working on and that's that again that all started by wanting to be the best and investing in myself as a photographer and not just coasting on through 
All right, you guys, I got to pause here just for a hot second, if that's okay. I need I need to have the opportunity to thank a huge supporter of the SFP podcast. And so I just want to jump into this. Look, we're, we're all photographers, yes, but we are also business owners. How many of you guys, uh, you know, you're, you're just racing against the clock. You've got three weddings that need called and edited. You've got to email two clients, call another, uh, you know, tackle the mountain of other, of other paperwork, taxes, whatever it may be. You guys, this is the life that we have as a solopreneur, as freelance photographers. And while this is challenging, our friends at FreshBook, believe that it's worth it. So do I. I. I so believe that being a solopreneur, owning your own business, that it's worth it, that we can overcome these odds. You guys, the world has changed. Like the way that we we do business, the way that the internet has changed everything there, there is now so many opportunities to actually be a full-time photographer, to be a solopreneur, right? And so to meet this need, FreshBooks, they redid everything. They've they've launched an all new version of their cloud accounting software. Uh, and it has been redesigned from the ground up, custom built for exactly everything that you you need the way that you need it, right? This will be one of the simplest ways uh, to become more organized, uh, more productive, and I guess most importantly, to get paid uh, on time, right? FreshBooks is incredibly easy to use. It's so powerful. Uh, within it, you can create invoices within 30 seconds. I'm Prior to this, you know, I would just hop on uh, Google and just search like invoice template, right? But you can do all your invoicing right here within 30 seconds. Uh, you can set up online payments uh, within just a couple of clicks. Uh, get paid up to four days faster than other softwares. And I think the coolest thing is you can actually see when your client has visited, they've seen the invoice, uh, and you know when the money is going to be coming in. You guys, super cool of FreshBooks. They're offering a 30-day completely unrestricted, this isn't one of those limited trial things, like a full 30-day trial to all of you guys, to the SFP audience. Um, Here's what you need to do. To claim it, you need to go to freshbooks.com backslash photography, and then you just need to enter uh, six-figure photography, that's S-I-X, six-figure photography in the how did you hear about us section. I'll drop links down below for you guys so you can just be able to click right through. All right, let's jump back in. Nice. Now, you said there was like, I, I think I'm going to try to quote here earlier. You were like, there's three things that I could talk about. And this was the first one uh, was when you started to invest back in yourself. What, yeah. what would be a couple other, th- correct me, right? You said there was maybe a couple others, maybe one more. Yeah, I mean, obviously, investing in yourself is key, but getting your marketing strategy right is knowing your is knowing your audience. Um, and the best way I found a few guys here, and I'm sure you guys in the states do the same thing. I have a customer avatar that I thought, right, what guy do I want to appeal to? Do I want to appeal to the guy that's driving a ten year old Ford, or do I want to appeal to the guy that's driving a brand new Audi? And so I started marketing myself to those kind of people, and it's from there again. You really kind of that's how the revenue kind of kind of boosts up from there is knowing your target audience and becoming that target audience and being relevant to that target audience so that's yeah it's that's one of those things that it's it's um i think it's necessary to quantify and and put a very look what I, what i'm getting at is i think that we all like to think that we we know what our our target audiences, like everyone feels like they know. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, I feel like it's this person, you know, like, yeah, hey, it's this person. This is what I like. But, but few are the people who really sit down and quantify and write it out and, um, deliberately with intentionality and, 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 and great thought. And there's just something really powerful. I mean, it's very similar to setting goals. When you write a goal down and you put it on a paper and you have it out in front of you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that, 
that becomes accomplished or yes. at least far more likely to become accomplished yeah. than when you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire in 10 years. Like, yeah, everyone no, wants to know. be a millionaire in 10 years. It's, it, you know, it's, uh, I'd love to be a millionaire in 10 years, but you know, unless you, unless you have a, like I say, thing is this pie in the sky you're going to aim for. If you, if you can't, you, if you've got nothing to aim for, you're going to shoot and keep missing. If you're going to, if you're going to keep aiming for something, make sure you, you've got your, your target set and eventually you'll get there. So what are some tips that you have to actually quantifying, identifying, labeling and in, in, in detail and specifics, the target, uh, your ideal client? That's, well, again, location of when people say to me, I'm very lucky to be in the southeast of England. A lot of people here work in the city of London. Salaries are generally a lot higher than the rest of the country. So people say to me, oh, you're lucky because you live there. There's, you know, if you look for it, People are earning good money all over the country, so don't be don't be brought down by people saying, "Yeah, I live in the southwest or I live in the northeast." There's no money here. There's money. There's, there's, there's people with living in big big houses. So it's just identify where you are, identify the venues that you want to be photographing at, because then you're going to be getting the kind of people that you that you're going to want to be photographing and spending the kind of money that, 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 that you want them to spend. And, and, um, if you're only aiming for small registry offices or tiny venues, the people that, that you know, that aren't expensive, then people haven't going to ha- aren't going to have the same kind of money to spend on their photography. Whereas if you go into a venue that can spend, you know, 25, 30,000 pounds to, to hire for the weekend or the day, and then people are going to have a higher budget for photography. So just, it's just knowing, where you want to be and putting yourself in the right place at the right time. So you're reverse engineering the venue as the kind of main space. The venue is, a, is there's certain price points on venues. There's certain statuses about venues. Yeah, that, and so recognizing those, uh, that kind of being your goal. Yeah, there are. I mean, obviously, you know, perception, you should never perceive how much money people have. Um, I remember one of the first weddings I, I shot. The venue was under the edge. The venue was okay, and I, you know, I, I, at the time I used to go around and see people. I had a suitcase full of wedding albums, like a travelling salesman. Um, I'd go around and spend an evening with with uh, people, and the address wasn't that great. And I thought, oh, they're going to have no money. I'm going to try and just push out one of my lower coverages, and they booked the most expensive coverage. And I was like, holy crap! How did where did that come from? Because I, I, because I didn't go in selling it i went in i saw the address i saw the car on, on the um on the driveway and it was you know perception is key but then a lot of the time you can go to a venue and the, the bigger venues generally people will spend a lot more money on, on their on, on their wedding overall and especially photography so it's just getting it getting in creating great relationships with the venues that you want to work at and that way people will book you get on the recommended supplier list and you'll be rolling in the kind of circles that you want to roll in and from there it, it's brilliant i mean i'm at some very very exclusive venues here in the uk thankfully and uh, they're some of the big, biggest weddings i ever shoot are at these venues and that's just through persistence and trying to get relationships with the staff that work there and and, and people say hey scott's a cool guy let's put him on our supplier list yeah, so let's explain that a little bit better. Because if all we tell people is like, "Yeah, Scott's a cool guy," he got on the preferred vendor list, they're gonna be like, "Nah, tell me more." I don't yeah. buy, it. or not even I don't buy it. But like, it's um, what are some practical tips that you have in regards to actually making those relationships happen? Be nice. I mean, first and foremost, if you go in there and you're an asshole, or oh, part of my sorry, <laughs> um, no, no, it's all good. That's all good. Yeah, you can say that. So if, <laughs> if, if you're going in 
and you're being a diva and saying, right, I want to make sure I get my dinner first. I want to make sure that um, everything, you're going to move furniture out the way, you're running late and, you, and you, your general manner isn't great. Then the venue's going to think, this guy's a dick. We don't want him back here. Whereas if you're going in and you're polite and you're courteous, again, that goes right back to the cruise ship days. Is you know, treating everybody like the first time you've met them, you're polite. Um, they, they're going to remember you. Hey, he was really nice. And if you're going back to the venue more and more often, Email the suppliers, email the, the venue some, hey, I took this great shot, tag them in Facebook, tag, email them put the, so they can put it on their Facebook. And eventually you might be in a position and say, we like that wedding, was great. Can we have a copy of that, of that album we can have in the office? And you're like, yeah, we can do that. And it's slowly and surely you'll kind of get this trust and rapport with the venue and they're going to want you to be there because they know that you're the guy that's going to get the really, really awesome shots at their venue. I love it. I think the thing that... Uh people need to remind themselves of is like, let, let me kind of go the other way. I think that in some of these venues that you're talking about, where it's like a, a super premier venue, whatever it may be high end, um, there's this belief that, um, uh, there's something special about those people. Are there something special about the space or special about the people who work there? Um, and, and candidly, there's just, I mean, there, there's not, like people are basic. We're all people. It turns out that, uh, if you are, um, enjoyable to be around, mm-hmm. if you give more than you take, yes, then people want to be around you. Exactly. Uh, yes. and so it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, reminding yourself that everyone's just like, they're all just people. We're all just humans. You know what? People like being treated fairly. They, they like being served. They like being given more value and it's the long term play. I see so many photographers, even my local market who, um, who, who they're always going for the, the quick win and they sacrifice the long-term gain oh, uh, yeah. for the quick win, right? Yeah, they um, And, uh, well, anyhow, I digress. Um, <laughs> so I get that. I, I totally get that, man. It's like just treat Customer people. service is lacking in the UK. Um, I was very fortunate to spend some time in America last year. And I, I shot a wedding out there. And um, it, was, it was amazing. And you go into a store and you're greeted and you're treated, you know, like a, like a, like a king almost. And you come into a shop in the UK or you go to anywhere and that level of customer service just isn't there. Um, not not everyone, but it's no certain. Sometimes most people are great, but there's a marked difference between customer service levels in the US to the UK. So what I'm trying to do is try and make sure that every customer has an experience here um, that they're never going to forget because we want, once they've got their wedding album, that's it, they're finished we're never going to see them again. You might see them on Facebook or bump into them in, in town or in a, in a bar or something. But when their friends are getting married, they're going to look at their album. So you know what? The album's good, but he's such a cool guy. He's he's so nice. He's always answering emails. He's picking up the phone and he's polite. He's courteous, you know, and that that's what we want to try and achieve. You know, people remember customer service long after they remember the pictures. People always remember good customer service. Always. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, as we're talking about this, it feels so, it feels, I mean, even as I said, like people are basic, like it feels so, um, so much like a given, like, well, duh, of course be nice to people. And, yeah. and, and while you're thinking that right now, my God, the, the majority of photographers don't do this right. They don't do it well. Like I just, I don't know how to say it. I've been to the, like I, I've seen the, like I've been in a room with like 20 other photographers 
And you can just see, like, you can see who's actually um, living this out and playing it out yeah. and giving um, and and being actually, like, a friend and friendly <laughs> to other people and who's not. And um, a, a quick, um, uh, a really practical thing is there's a book, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a really great book. It's literally, I mean, it is. It's like the blueprint for, like, how to literally influence people and make friends. Like uh, there's another one called influence. Uh, I'd start with Dale Carnegie's. And then once you want to start kind of taking some of the stuff and applying it um, to sales and that kind of stuff uh, is, is influence um, by Robert uh, Caldini. And uh, so take a look at those because if you think you got it figured out, you may want to go read those still. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to check those books out. I mean, I I don't read enough. Um, I should read more, and I'm always up for anything that's going to help improve. The, the day you stop learning is the day you need to give up. And people say, oh, I don't need to go and do that course or read that book. Trust me. If you can go and get one piece of advice from any book, it's worth reading. Yep. Um, so, look, uh, the, a fun thing has brought you and I together, and that has been um, – Print that has been um, companies like Fundy Software, companies like Graphy Studio, yeah. um, and uh, it, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so I, I kind of want to hear about your your kind of transition uh, into print as as a photographer. Wow. Well, th- th- this this is um, this is the start of it. When I left college, I was uh, I was 18. I left college and needed to get a job. So I actually applied for a job and got a job in a professional photographic laboratory here in England. So I started this whole journey, dip and dunking negatives for wedding pictures and printing pieces of wall art as an 18-year-old boy. Man, boy, man. I was a man at 18. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's how it started. So I'm a massive believer, huge believer in a printed product because I spent, I cut my teeth in the printing side of it uh, when I was 18. So it, it was, um, yeah, I, I people that don't get stuff printed is stupid, if you want my honest opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I'm okay with that. Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, the process of actually introducing print into your business, is that something that happened from square one? Day no? one, hundred percent. I've one. always offered. Realize that the amount of photographers that started from day one that I've ever met has been zero. You're the first that I've met that was like, yep, print day one. Day one. I mean, obviously when I first started out, I did offer images only back then it was on a, on, it's on a, a DVD. Um, but yeah, right from the word go, my very first Prices had three wedding albums in there. Day one, we were printing day one. That's fantastic. So right now, how many weddings do you shoot in a given year? Uh, we're trying to anywhere between 40 and 50. Um, we'd, 50 would be the absolute maximum. We try have a 40 rule with 10%, and then I might get, you know, if there's a really good one comes in, then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that one. So, yeah, between 40 and 50 weddings a year. Sure. Um, can I ask you, like, a, a, a numbers question? Yeah, like a hot. So from a, from a, um, a revenue standpoint, Mm -hmm. how much, uh, roughly do you make a year, uh, from print sales? Um, well, reprint sales or album sales? Uh, fine let's go album sales album sales would would be a hundred percent of the turnover would be albums we do not have a coverage here that is just a usb so if they if if people couples want to come in here and book they have to have an album um and we're we're turning over about one hundred and sixty thousand pounds a year on on wedding albums boom 
I love it. Uh, so let's talk practicality for, uh, with that for a second. Right now, um, so being from the UK, you know, there's lots of US suppliers here, um, UK. So where have you kind of found uh, your supplier to be? You know, who do you use for albums, that kind of stuff? Uh, Graphy Studio are the company I use uh, for my wedding books. For me, they're, the books are the best. I mean, I know you guys uh, have Graphy a little bit out there, but there are more suppliers in the US. I think I had Miller's is a big supplier out there, I think. I yeah, had that. yeah, Miller's is my jam. Yeah, I mean, you're jammed. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we don't have access to millions. We probably could, but but for me, Graphy Studio are the forerunners in wedding albums here in the UK. Probably the world, if you want my honest opinion. Hey, that's fair. They do. They're one of the few, if only, if I'm correct, that does worldwide. Um, uh, what's what am I trying to say? Um, they they actually have the facilities to um, to produce and ship worldwide without that's- like extravagant fees yeah, for, I mean, for international. It's great. I mean, obviously we're here in the UK and they're based in Italy, but even from Italy, we're only charged a £10 shipping contribution to get the album to us. So, you know, Graphia covering a lot of the shipping costs um, in there. Obviously, it, they're getting it somewhere, um, but it only costs £10, you know, £10 to get the albums out. So, and, and they ship worldwide. They ship to the US and South Africa, Australia, Brazil, everywhere and um th- what what i like about them also is that they do not supply albums to non-professional photographers you have to be a professional photographer that turns over x amount of pounds no i don't think turnover but you have to be doing a certain amount of weddings a year um to be on their customer list otherwise they say sorry you know we need you to do a little bit more to get on our books yeah that's cool so um, over the year, like you've been at it for a little while. If you've been starting albums from day one, yeah. I imagine it was a little bit more, uh, challenging back then. <laughs> yeah, well, oh yeah. <laughs> and it is now, uh, look, everyone knows, at least if, if you've been listening to me for any considerable amount of time, uh, we're a huge proponent of albums and fundy software to actually like make those albums happen right now. I mean, you're talking 40 weddings a year, yep. um, all the albums that are involved. How are you keeping up with that? Uh, well, um, being good at time management, if I'm honest, uh, and also the, the ability to design a wedding album in 10 minutes with me for fun, with Fundy Software has freed up so much more time. Um, and, and that was probably the biggest decision we made in the last three years was to go and use Step Away from the Graphic Studio software, which is really good. It is, it is still really good. Um, but it was taking me about 45 minutes to an hour per album to design. And I heard about Fundy and um, we got the trial and I was hooked and that was it. It was done. Um, obviously, we, we've done a, we did a lot more albums. I mean, the, my biggest ever year was 113 weddings, which I nearly died. It was, uh, it was, it was so, it was so busy. Um, and I was I don't even I don't understand that there's 52 weekends I, in a year. I know I know literally I'm bored now because I did that many weddings that year um I have lines in my face which you know wrinkle and stress lines from that from that year um and yeah it was you know that was back in the day when I was just trying to chase everything and now I'm a lot more smarter than what I used to be getting taking bookings on but I think we've done nearly 500 albums since we set up that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, Scott, um, right now is albums, the core or with weddings, are you also, uh, doing, you know, uh, wall art as well? We offer wall art. We certainly, we probably do you no know, less than 
five thousand pounds a year in, in in sales for wall art which is still probably more than most um but 95 percent of the revenue that comes in is through albums i mean i have no wall art. i'm turning around in my studio i have wall arts all, all around and people come in and and always ask about it but now the, the, the turnover the turnaround um or the, the not turnaround what's the word i'm looking for the uh the actual take up on on wall art isn't as big as i'd like it to be which is a shame yeah, that's all good. It's all good. Still, man, still learning, still moving, still changing. <laughs> Weddings is, is a little bit different too. I, I do think that uh, the the primary, let's we'll call it a profit maximizer. It makes sense uh, to be albums, yeah, um, for for a wedding because it's so story based, because it's so narrative based. Um, yeah, where are some of the things that, like you know, even as we're talking about continual growth and and changes and developments, what are some of the things that you've got your eyes set on for 2018 for some things that you'd like to to change, evolve, grow in? I want to learn. I want to learn from you by by seeing where your where your eyes are set. Uh, it's definitely trying to you know, sell some more wall art. I mean, I'm taking you know the pictures that we're taking. I t- I always try and take you know, five or six shots that I'm going to think, wow, that's going to look amazing in a frame on the wall. So I really want to try and push those out a little bit more. Um, there's some new albums coming out next year. Actually, they're out now from Graphic Studio that I'm going to be... I actually ordered my sample yesterday. So that should be here in a few weeks. Um, that's really cool. They have a video screen in the lid. Um, and, and that, I saw that. Yeah, honestly. It's, so there's twofold. So one, I kind of thought, well, we can... No, if they want the digital files, we can upload the files and make a slideshow. So when they open their album up, there's the album, there's a slideshow of their images. So that's something I'm looking towards doing. And also I kind of thought if we have a videographer that's going to be um, attending the wedding, it's maybe try and get the trailer for their wedding and put it on the video screen. So they've got both in one place. So that they're looking to go to the album more to see the trailer rather than dig out a DVD or a USB stick from the par behind the, the TV somewhere. So that's kind of my goal from there for next year and just trying to and just trying to get better and shoot a little bit less weddings um for a little bit more profit that's what i want to try and do next year (laughs) amen amen to that scott thank you so much for being here today look uh where can people find out more about you what you're up to your work all that kind of good stuff so obviously uh in the digital age we are on facebook uh it's at the edge picks on facebook so the edge and picks p-i-c-s and that's the same for twitter and instagram so it's at the edge picks for all three formats twitter i kind of use sporadically not very often uh but instagram we try and update at least daily uh with images that are on there social media is such a big platform now and and facebook the way it's kind of running doesn't really work for how we how we sell things um so instagram is probably the, the way forwards for us Fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of tracking, uh, keeping an eye on everything that you're up to here. Uh, now i got to, man, now i got to keep my eye on the UK too. Yeah, Shoot. I'll tell you what, mate, there are some really big photographers over here and we're coming for you in America. So <laughs> WPPI enough, is not, it's, it's not a safe place for Americans anymore. It's you, not you, a the, safe place. The British are coming and we're coming hard <laughs> and we're coming strong. We're going to come and uh, we're going to take a big ship and take all, our, all your awards back with us, I think. <laughs> That's fair, man. That's fair. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Scott. 
Thank you, everyone, for sticking around all the way to the end and listening. I hope you took away so much from Scott's journey, from seeing how he got to where he is today. And I know you did stick around, candidly, because of his accent, right? I know I did. I would just re-listen to this episode over and over and over again. It's probably going to be the most listened to episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast uh, history. You guys, again, thank you for being here. One last thing. Uh, I would love, again, if you have the opportunity to leave me a review. If you would ever be so kind, it would mean the world to me. I'd love to read those. And lastly is this, you guys. Uh, our relationship doesn't have to end here. It doesn't have to be a one-way conversation, right? You don't just have to hear me. I would love uh, to, to talk more with you guys. I do daily live videos over on Facebook. Follow me at Six Figure Photography on Facebook. Maybe you're my friend on Facebook and you get to be brought into some of the live videos that I do uh, with my team and my family. And so if so, say hi. I would love to talk to you guys there. Shoot me an email. I read everyone and reply You guys, other than that, we will see you in episode 51 of the SFP podcast. Thank you.